0: This is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the very first episode. Hope everybody's doing well. I wish we would have started this a few weeks earlier, but life gets in the way sometimes, and there's just things out of your control that keep you from doing what you want to do. I'll get to all that at the end of the episode. How I'm moving forward. Can I give you a little bit about what happened? But let's dive into the first episode of the podcast, which is an introduction to you as to who we are, what we are, and what we're going to do. So like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, a performance that got you hooked on rock and roll. We all have that moment. And that is really the essence of the show. Along with it being a community, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast will be very interactive. We want everyone to share their stories. If you feel comfortable enough and you've got something to say, we want you on the podcast. I may reach out to you if I think that you have something great to share. But it will be that community. It will be that feeling that you're hanging out with your friends and you're talking about your memories of when you were a kid about being introduced to rock whether it was from a sibling, a friend, an uncle just turned on the TV or the radio so what's my story when i was growing up in the suburb in the suburbs of chicago my grandfather was a piano player my grandfather used to play piano in the speakeasies during the time of Prohibition and the time afterwards. And he had a piano in his basement, and when I would stay overnight there, whether it was you know, once a month or every other month, I would wake up on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and my grandfather was playing the piano in the basement. They had a finished basement, and they had this baby grand piano that is now a family heirloom that is still in our family. And my grandfather was the type of piano player that would hit the keys really hard. And his playing sounded similar to what thunder, I used to call it when I was a kid, because it would rumble the house. And of course I would wake up, as he'd be playing at eight o'clock in the morning or even earlier than that, or a tad bit later. And I'd walk into the kitchen where my grandmother was making breakfast and I would just sit at the kitchen table and listen to my grandfather play big band music, Liberace, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Dean Martin, all that style of music. And he'd come up the stairs when he was done, you know, with the cigarette hanging from his mouth or hanging from his lip. He'd greet me with a good morning. He'd have his black coffee all ready for him, and we would start our day. But the piano was really the very first instrument that made me aware of music because of my grandfather. The very first time I heard it, the very first time I saw him play, I was mesmerized because I was not familiar with, with music at such an early age. I mean, I'm talking like three, four, five years old. Of course, my, my parents played music albeit nothing that connected with me, whether it was Barry Manilow or Barbra Streisand. And my dad listened to AM radio, country music, Eddie Rabbit, Conway Twitty, Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell. But nothing resonated with me, nothing connected. Until my brother, who was three and a half, four years older than me, brought a record home from school that a friend had borrowed him. And he put the record on the vinyl, on the record player, and he dropped the needle on the vinyl. And the first song I heard, the first rock song I heard, was piano in the beginning. He had piano in the intro. And that song was Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. So here I am, 19, late 1981, early 82, six or seven years old, Hearing this piano coming out of the speakers, familiar with the sound, the tone of the instrument, and then I heard Steve Perry sing. And I had never heard anybody sing like that. And he's called the voice for for a reason. And then I heard Neil Sean play his guitar. And I had never heard guitar like that before. Keep in mind, I was used to listening to AM radio and country music and Barbara Streisand, and Barry Manilow. So I was mesmerized. And as we listened to the rest of the record, you heard Keep On Running, and you heard Stone in Love, Open Arms, Who's Crying Now? Open Arms was probably the most popular song at that time and probably exceeded popularity of, of Don't Stop Believin'. I think it's kind of reversed right now. I think more people are familiar with Don't stop believing due to various reasons, whether it's the Sopranos or whether it's your favorite sports team playing that during a playoff run or a championship run. But that was my first connection with music. And then, of course, Journey had the video game come out after that, and they were just, at that time, probably the biggest or close to rock band. Now, they weren't, on the harder side, we all know that, but they were, I don't know if you want to call them pop back then. I don't know if they were pop, maybe. I know Open Arms you know, had a big crossover appeal and anytime you went to a Journey song back in the day and they played that song, every woman, girl would scream because they loved the song. But it was, at the time, it was the edgiest thing that I had heard. Until about four months later, five months later, my brother had bought brought home a cassette that a friend had made for him. And before my brother had a boombox or a, you know a stereo, we had like these tape players that were about the length of a shoebox, and on one side was the keys. You know whether you hit play, record, fast forward, rewind and then a, you know, it would open up, and you'd put the cassette in, and you'd play it and have that one speaker, and it sounded horrible. But nevertheless, that's, that's what we had to work with back then. So I put this tape in, and this was my introduction to Judas Priest. Way more edgier than Journey. And there was only two songs on the tape, and that was You Got Another Thing Coming, and the live version of Diamonds and Rust, which I believe was from Unleashed in the East. and again mesmerizing. This was way more edgier and way heavier than Journey. Rob Helford's voice was way different than Steve Perry's. The songs were just more like anthems. And again, I, I wanted more. My, my hunger for more music like this kept growing. So in between the next moment, a few things happened. One was there was this radio station called WMET that was local to Chicago that played hard rock music. And they played everything from Greg Kinban to Genesis to Quiet Riot to Led Zeppelin. And I don't remember if I knew who the bands were. I kind of just knew the songs and the melodies and You know, back in the day, you didn't have a scroll at the bottom of your stereo that told you what you were listening to. And, you know, you would try to hear the DJ say who it was. You not always remembered it, but that was your way of getting music. And in the winters in Chicago, which are very cold and brutal sometimes, my brother and I would just sit on the bedroom floor and listen to WMET. The next moment, a couple months later, another one of my brother's friends, must have had really cool friends because they were always giving him this music, borrowed him Van Halen 1. And my only knowledge of Van Halen at that time was listening at the age of seven years old, an interview with David Lee Roth on WMET, the radio station. And you can imagine what that was like because we all know what David Lee Roth is like. So I was home. My brother was out with my father. My mother was home. She was cleaning the kitchen. So I went in. I grabbed this record, and I grabbed the big headphones that we had back in the day that looked like I don't know something you wore in a spaceship. You know, if you were like an astronaut, and you had the big plug, you know, that you put in the you know, the stereo. I took my mom's Barry Manilow record off, and I put on Van Halen One. And I grew up in the era of Star Wars, right? Young kid, seeing all these special effects, all these sound effects in the movie Star Wars. Very impressionable at the time. The Coolest thing a kid ever, you know could see at that time. So I dropped the needle down on the record, put the headphones on, and I hear the introduction to "Running with the Devil," and we all know what that sounds like. And I was again, mesmerized, like, what is this? And then you heard the song kick in, you heard Daily Roth scream like a banshee, Eddie Van Van Halen's whistling guitar solo. It was incredible. And then we all know what came after that, which was Eruption. And I had heard guitar players, and I had heard Neil Sean, I had heard the guys in Judas Priest, obviously the ones on the radio that I heard, but I couldn't identify with who they are, but eruption was completely different. It was out of this world. I did not know if someone was actually playing it if it was I, I didn't know what it was. If someone was playing it, I kept thinking to myself, "How is he doing that? How is he making his guitar sound like that it was It was incredible. And then you really got me kicked in, and I realized why I subconsciously grabbed the headphones that my mother didn't. I didn't want my mother to hear, because during the the break after the solo, we got to experience, or I got to experience at a young age, what sexual um, innuendo or whatever you want to call it, uh, scandalous moment during the song. That's of, of course not in the original Kinks version. And, of course, I didn't know it was scandalous until years later when I was like, oh, wow, they were kind of doing some funky stuff in that song. But at seven, you know, eight years old, you you kind of didn't really know what was going on. Again, it was a different time. You, You held on to your innocence a lot longer back in the day. So Journey, Judas Priest, Van Halen, I remember... Seen the Iron Maiden poster at a friend's house who had an older brother, a top to bottom wall poster of the cover of Number of the Beast. I didn't know whether to think it was cool or whether to be scared out of my mind. It was all just coming at me, and I wanted more. And then a very important moment happened, which was the U.S. Festival. 1983, summer of 1983, seven bands on the bill: Motley Crue, Quiet Riot, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne, Triumph, Scorpions, Van Halen. And this was the first visual that I had. I mean, I mean, I'd heard all the, you know these bands. I'd, I'd never saw what Judas Priest looked like. I never saw what Quiet Riot looked like. I never saw what Van Halen looked like. So when all these bands were playing, this was a whole new experience, being exposed to the visual aspect of music because the visual is just as important as the actual music sometimes. So this was on a platform called On TV. This is pre-cable. And I don't know if this was just local to Chicago, but what it was basically you had your regular TV channels and then there was this box. You got this box that you put above your TV and it was like a switch and you switched it from regular TV to on TV and they showed regular movies. I think they, time bandits was one of them. Star Wars cat people, uh, Valley girl, I think was another one. Happy birthday to me, which was this weird horror movie. So they were going to have the, I think the U.S. Festival is broken up into two parts. I think there was one weekend or where one month they had four days and then it was three days on another one. So they were going to show the heavy metal day on the Saturday. That's what it was called, the heavy metal day. And yes, those, all those bands were considered heavy metal back in the early 80s. So I don't remember Motley Crue being on the televised portion of the broadcast. I do remember Quiet Riot. I don't know if I missed Motley Crue or they were they were cut because of time constraints. But Quiet Riot was the first band that I saw that day. And they were, people don't remember, not to get off track, but they were the first band out of the L.A. scene to really break through and gain popularity. You know, when you think back of what the early 80s was in popular music, it was New Wave, it was, of course, your pop music, but bands like Duran Duran, bands like Culture Club, that was what was running the show back then. And it all seemed to change after this day. Because after this day, Quiet Riot exploded with come on, feel the noise. And then the song metal health, which was the title track from the album. And they were huge. I want to say their record was number one at one point, which was unheard of for a rock band to have, especially with very limited radio and very limited access to what they were doing. So, Quiet Ride came on, blew me away. Second band was I saw was Judas Priest, which for me, seeing Rob Halford, seeing Glenn Tipton, K.K. Downing, putting the visual aspect to the music that I heard months ago was an enormous moment for me. And Rob Halford Alfred, could sing like no one's business. And they were incredible. And in fact, I think on the reissue, remastered reissue of the Screaming for Vengeance I think it's an anniversary edition maybe the second disc is either the live show on CD or a DVD of the show I highly recommend picking it up because it's extremely well packaged and it's extremely well done so Judas Priest then on to Ozzy and I believe this was the first show with Jakey Lee After Randy Rhodes had passed and Brad Gillis had replaced Randy Rhodes to finish up the Diary of a Madman tour. I don't know, it may have been a few shows into it, but I think this was the the very first show, the introduction of Jakey Lee. I could be wrong. And Ozzy at the time was considered like the second coming of the devil. I mean, I had to sneak records of Ozzy into my house as I got older, and and Ozzy was pretty much banned from me be, ever being able to play it. It was just, now he's a pop culture icon, which I can't even express to you how just incredible that is. So Ozzy plays, Triumph comes on, and Triumph was really good. Um, they probably were the... Probably the most non-hard rock heavy metal band of, the, of that day. I mean, they were hard rock, definitely. I, you know, they were considered heavy metal, but they definitely weren't. They were a three-piece band that was excellent. They had songs like "Laid on the Line" and "Fight the Good Fight." Um, my personal favorite, "Roll the Fantasy," but they were awesome. Um, Triumph or Scorpions, which was the next act, next act, were probably the two best bands that day. And Scorpions, of course, was on the Blackout tour. You know they had songs like "No One Like You," the title track "Blackout," "Can't Live Without You." Just a really great, just a really great album. And then, of course, the headline act, Van Halen, and this was my first time seeing Van Halen play and, and seeing them visually. And David Lee Roth comes out. Romeo Delight was the first song, and they were incredibly sloppy. I didn't know that back then. I was just excited to see them. Now when you watch old video, you see how just, I mean, incoherent they were. I mean, the first song, Romeo Delight, Daily Raw, forgets the words. And they came on late, as the story goes, because as all these bands were playing throughout the day, they were partying throughout the day. And when they were expected to go on after Scorpions, they were not in the condition to get up on stage. They had to wait. And people were waiting for an hour or two for Van Halen to appear on the stage. Nevertheless, it was still an incredible moment, but Eddie Van Halen and Michael Anthony, Alex Van Halen, it was just an incredible show My brother and I watched this. We barely moved the whole time. You know, you couldn't pause things back in the day. So we had to wait, you know, between acts when there was a break to go get our lunch or to go to the bathroom or do whatever. But we didn't leave the house. And our parents let us watch it, which was really cool. And they kind of left us alone until my mother came in late at night. Because remember, this was on the West Coast. So, you know, they're two hours behind us. So when Van Halen was on, which was a couple hours late, it was like 11 o'clock our time. 12 o'clock, midnight maybe. So my mom comes in after us being in the living room all day watching this. And Daily Roth has a wardrobe change and comes out with assless chaps, which... I didn't know those pants existed when I was seven, eight years old, nine years old, I think. No, 83, so I was eight. So he's dancing around with assless chaps, jumping around, doing kicks, doing splits, whatever. My mom's walking in. She goes, what are you guys watching? And we're like, you know, the U.S. Festival. and, And she looks at the TV, and Daily Rod's shaking his ass, and she's like, what are you boys watching? And it was like, no big deal. We just looked at my mother and said, it's Van Halen, Mom. It's daily Roth. She's like, what does he have on? I go, we don't know, but this is really cool. And if you ever have a chance to look at video footage of the show, it's on YouTube. I highly suggest you do watch it because it's amazing. But that day was a, a big moment. For me in my journey into rock music, no pun intended. And what came after that was a different experience because instead of just listening, there became more visual outlets. The same on TV that had the US Festival began showing rock videos in the morning. So my brother and I would get up for school, my parents would get us up, and we were motivated because we wanted to watch the music videos because they weren't showing movies at that time. They had like a two hour block of rock videos. So we would get dressed, we'd eat our breakfast and we would wait for my mom to drive us to school. She was getting ready for work and we had by you know, maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20, 25 minutes and we would catch about maybe four or five videos and we saw Def Leppard, Pyromania, we saw Motley Crue, Looks That Kill, we rat, started to come around at that time with Round and Round, Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. Uh, Night Ranger, I think, had a video, Don't Tell Me You Love Me. Uh, but just Breaking the Law from Judas Priest. Whatever. I mean, it was just it was a huge moment because we started to be enticed by the visual aspect of the music. And the music of the 80s, whether it's the early 80s where it's more raw to the end of the 80s where it kind of lost its way, the visual aspect was always important, more so than the 70s. Of course, you had bands like Kiss and Bands like Queen, which were a very both visual acts. There were a few others. But pretty much all throughout the 80s were, 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 was, was, were bands and artists that were playing good music, but also the visual was very important. I mean, you think about those Twisted Sister videos. And you think about the Motley Crue video for Too Young to Fall in Love or Looks That Kill. Or you think about the Rat videos with Milton Berle. And you think about the early Van Halen videos with Pretty Woman into Jump. I mean, when you look at that video for Jump and you look at the camera angle of that video where it's slightly above or slightly below the point of view, the eye point of view, that changed the way videos were filmed. Look back at that video. The song was a big song at the time. It's not one of my favorite Van Halen songs but if you look at the influence of how they shot that video and what came after, it was huge. It was, it was so big. But the visual aspect of music was very important. I remember them showing the video from the Escape Tour by Journey, the live show, where I think Steve Perry has a yellow and black top. But they showed that. That was my first experience of seeing Journey and what they looked like. So that was a very important point for my generation, for kids my age. Because it wasn't just like staring into a speaker. You had the visual outlet. And then, of course, MTV came, which, again, changed the game. I don't know. MTV may have already been in. um, They may have already had started. I think think because they did show... The U.S. Festival. So I think they started in like 82, but we didn't have cable back then. We just had the on TV. So when we switched to cable, we had MTV. But MTV was still playing a lot of new wave and a lot of punk, like The Clash and Culture Club and uh, Duran Duran and and Men at Work and all the bands that were popular at that time. And it really wasn't until the U.S. Festival that things started to change. You started to see Def Leppard, Pyromania, You started to see all the videos that On TV was playing. Now Cable with MTV was playing. And it really took off. There are a lot of bands that owe their success to MTV because of that visual outlet that it produced and helped them with. On the same side, MTV owes a lot to those bands of the 80s. The Def Leppards, the Bon Jovi's, the Motley Crue's, the Ozzy's, you name it. Anyone that was popular and big in the 80s, early 90s helped build MTV. And they would not be in existence today without those bands. That's a fact. So as I moved on you know, through my life and got older and experienced new artists and new bands, I always go back to the, that beginning for me. When... I heard the Journey, and I heard the Judas Priest, Van Halen, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, Quiet Riot, all those bands. As I grew into you know fifth, sixth grade, fourth grade, there was a radio station called WVVX, RPM, Real Precious Metal, that only came on at seven or eight o'clock because the signal was not strong, and they played Spanish music during the day. WMET the radio station that had introduced me to rock had changed formats Formats to like some new wave jazz type deal. So this radio station only came on, and after dinner, instead of watching TV, which there wasn't that many channels back in the day, even with cable, I'd go in my room and I would listen to this radio station. And I had a boombox at that time. I had saved up money from paper route. So before I went to bed, I would put the radio on the other side of the bed, That, you know, was like between the bed and the wall. And I would put it there and I would put my headphones down there with it. I'd wait for my mom to come tuck me in. She'd leave and I'd turn on the radio, plug in my headphones, and I'd listen till midnight, one o'clock in the morning to this music. and All these bands. And, of course, the next day I was dead tired, falling asleep in class, and trying to keep my eyes open. But it was worth it because I loved it. And I just wanted more. I couldn't get enough of that music. So that's my story. And I think a lot of people who are going to listen or are listening now have their story too. It might be similar. It might be completely different. But let's hear it. What hooked you on rock and roll? I think it'll be interesting to hear different people's stories, different people's perspective, what's familiar in our stories, what's different. I love talking about music, whether it's at a bar, at a party, at dinner, wherever. I love connecting with people who have a strong passion for music like myself. And that's where this podcast came from, my passion for music. And where are we going to go from here? What should you expect? Like I said in the beginning, the word community And the ultimate rock community podcast, the hook is the most important word because we want to interact. We want to have fun with each other. We want to hear what everyone's got to say, right? We're going to keep evolving. We're going to keep adding new things and and new ideas. If you have ideas for us, please share, send me a DM on Twitter Sooner or later, we're going to get to an Instagram page. Sooner or later, we might get to a Facebook page. I don't know if I want to do that, because every experience I've had with a music site on Facebook has been an absolute train wreck. And I don't have time to monitor a Facebook page 24-7, because it just gets out of hand. I mean, if you ever want to see the, what the end of the world looks like, go on the Steve Perry fan page, Facebook page. And... That's what hell looks like. I swear, it's horrible. There are, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but it's just not what I want to do. I don't want to monitor something like that if it, if it should become something like that. What we're not going to be is a critic. We're not going to tell you what to like, what not to like. There are plenty of douchebags on social media, on YouTube that tell you what's great and what's not and why not to like it and it, music is all subjective everybody has their own taste everybody has their own palate that they like to listen to we don't want to be an elitist group of people as we move forward that you know snubs our nose at what you like or what you think's cool if you want to listen to king diamond or slayer or death angel, or whatever it is, go right ahead, man. Whatever knocks, you, whatever knocks you out. You know, different strokes for different folks. If you want to listen to Poison or Warrant or talk about that band, talk about it. But just be respectful for everybody. One of the biggest pet peeves and one of the biggest things that upsets me is when someone insults someone else's music tastes. And it's crap, to be quite honest with you. Because... People's music is like their religion, right? It's connected with them. It is a part of them. It helps motivate them. It helps them get through tough times. Songs have a different meaning to each individual. And when you tell someone that what they like, what they feel is part of them is bad, people are going to push back. People are going to be pests. Don't don't do that. Enjoy your music. Let other people enjoy their music. You don't have to like it. Maybe it hasn't connected with you. And that's the other thing, too. What people don't realize is timing is just as important to music as what you hear, right? You may not like something when you're 15 years old. You may not like Led Zeppelin, let's say. Let's say Led Zeppelin didn't resonate with you when you were 15, You have some more life experiences. You grow up a little bit. You're a little bit more mature with your tastes. Five years later, 10 years later, someone plays a Led Zeppelin song that you didn't like. All of a sudden, you're like, wow, this sounds really cool. Who is this? This is Led Zeppelin? Oh, wow, I thought I didn't like Led Zeppelin. Next song they play, Led Zeppelin. Oh, wow, this is really good, too. Sooner or later, you're buying all their records, and you love them. Now you're a diehard Zeppelin fan. So, music, again, is a lot about where you're at in life. Something that you heard when you were 15 or 20 years old, you listen to now in your 40s. It doesn't connect with you anymore. So, I just wish people would stop that. Let people listen to whoever they want to listen to. Enjoy whatever you got on your iPod or in your stereo and just Carry on. So I hope you enjoy what we're about to do. Um, We look forward to producing some episodes with you. We're going to be doing classic album spotlights. We're going to be promoting a lot of new music. We're going to be having discussions with fellow rock fans such as yourself. If you want to, like I said, if you want to get on and have a discussion, please let me know. But it's going to be fun. And... I'm really looking forward to interacting with all of you. Now to give you a little quick update as we end the show as to why we were delayed, um, I had a health issue about a month ago, ended up in the hospital, had surgery, and had some complications after the surgery that made me tired, and I was sleeping a lot and just didn't have it in me to get this going, when I wanted to get it going. But that's all past. Hopefully, as I continue to get stronger and better every day. And again, I appreciate all the messages, all the people reaching out, all the people checking in on me. You know who you are. Thank you from the bottom of my heart with all that. But let's move forward. Let's get this going. I hope you all enjoy listening. I hope you have the patience to evolve with us because what you hear today is not necessarily what you're going to hear down the road we're going to get better at this we are not professionals so you know if if something is not edited correctly or i say something that may not sound right just you know let's not get all bent out of shape and let's not you know ruin it for everybody but expect more and i look forward to it so you guys take care of yourself and keep rocking and we will see you next time on the hook